Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host Daniel Bobo Curlin. And Dan, how you doing today, buddy? Uh, doing good. Excited about the start of the start of spring, the start of spring training co- coming up soon. It's uh, almost getting in full swing. Can't going to be. I'm going to be at home watching. Probably wishing I was in the warm weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right about that, man. It looks like a little freeze coming this weekend. Uh, we've been lucky so far this winter, but uh, yeah, the temperature is definitely going to drop. So definitely going to be thinking some uh, sunny weather is uh, going to be a nice change of uh, scenery, e- even if it's on TV, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hope, hope, and hopefully that freezes something more than uh, than just a freeze. Or if I get scared with the with this uh, the snow, <laughs> it, yeah. I get a- Especially with, you know, we've we've dodged a couple of bullets this year so far. So let's just hope that it keeps up, right? <laughs> I, I could just be sure, though, that this winter I did not need to make a second trip to, to a second trip to purchase a bag of salt. I think I'll, I'm there. This bag of salt I have, we have ready to go. We'll be ready. Well, there'll be enough snow for next. There'll be enough salt for next winter at this rate. Exactly, exactly. Let's just hope that that bag sticks around for a while. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, hey, Dan, you know, you you mentioned the race this weekend, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. The Daytona 500. That was that was that was a wild finish. I mean, who I mean, who who would have expected? I mean, uh, the who, who would have expected Ricky Senhouse Jr. to win? I, I did not expect that one of my uh. <laughs> I probably I would have lost money if I placed the bet at a at a casino. If I would have went to Atlantic City and placed the bet, I would have lost. Now I'm not really a big NASCAR fan, but I mean you gotta love watching the race. It's a lot of fun. But I don't really know the the guys per se. You know, aside from you know guys like I know your uh, your you know Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon and those guys. How, how big of a long shot was this guy? He. He he really just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of pretty much it was when one of those long shots to win it. We didn't really expect, but he 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 won that. This is a first, and this is also a first first time uh, first time for the for the team owners, the Brad Doherty Racing. Their first, their I think this is their first win they've gotten. If I'm correct. So it's a, a pretty excited win, and I thought. I, I I have to agree with where he celebrated because I admit Waffle House. If you go to the South, that is some good stuff there at the South Waffle House. Oh, you got that right, buddy. <laughs> Believe me, I'm sure. I'm sure plenty. I'm sure a lot of you watching this show, if you're driving to spring training, you might have made a stop over at a Waffle House on the way to Port St. Lucie. That would definitely be a smart thing to do. You got to love Waffle House down there. That Southern hospitality. Um, yeah, definitely, man. That uh, so that's really cool. A uh, cool way to kick off the NASCAR season, if you will, with a uh, you know that the, the Daytona 500, and obviously, um, 
a big, big victory for, for, for a first time winner. Uh, very cool. He's won races before, but the team owner had this is the first time mm. that team got first time win. Mm-hmm. Also, I noticed you did mention the names of two drivers that are retired. <laughs> See, that's how far my knowledge goes with, with, with NASCAR, but I didn't know that Dale Jr. was retired. <laughs> uh, you've mentioned two names that are retired and are actually induct in inductees and are actually Hall of Fame inductees. <laughs> Find over and over in Charlotte where the Hall of Fame is. Like I, mm-hmm. I gotta definitely go there one of my one of these days myself. Get some and get some Southern barbecue at it because I can't off <laughs> without having some Southern barbecue. <laughs> of course, of course, man. Uh, you know what I said was pretty much like saying, "Oh, my favorite baseball players, you know, Babe Ruth and Reggie Jackson." It's like, oh, you know, so so you're not a fan. <laughs> But uh, okay, buddy. Hey, that that's awesome, man. And I know you're a big uh, NASCAR fan, so I definitely wanted to touch on that for a couple of minutes. And and any other time that you want to bring up NASCAR and everything, feel free, buddy. Because uh, definitely, you know, definitely, I'll bring us stuff. Also, also, I got I gotta say, I have to tell you, most most of the drivers I've met, they're very fan friendly. Oh yeah, you know, and those guys know that uh, the fans are, you know. They, they, you have to cater to the fans because they're the ones that make it, you know, and definitely I agree with you. I've seen, I, I've never met any of the drivers personally, but all the fan interactions that I've seen online and how these guys deal with people in public, uh, few professions of uh, these celebrity type athletes or whatever you want to call uh NASCAR driver, few professions deal with fans better than those guys. No doubt about it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could confirm that myself, especially the fact one time when I was watching while they were while they were during the during they were running while they were running their practice laps for the for, for the race. I'm uh, that's how that's how I managed to get the Jeff Gordon's autograph. I was literally just standing there right by where the car was like stopped right there and I'm taking pictures. And I was right by there and yeah, I happened to be right by there where he was until I got his autograph. Very cool, man. Oh, you know what? One other name just popped in my head. Let me ask you if he's still play if if, if he's still active. Uh, Chase Elliott. Yep, he is. That's that's my favorite active driver. As you as you know, Jeff Gordon's my favorite driver of all time. Mm-hmm. But my favorite my favorite driver is uh, Chase Elliott. Okay, okay, good. At least I know one guy that that's that's still going today. So I, I can feel good about myself with my NASCAR knowledge is limited as it may be. <laughs> Maybe one day this show will get us, we'll, we'll be, we'll have a sponsor on a car, even if it's for one race. Absolutely, cool have, man. Cool to have Bessie in the house sponsor on a car. That would be, even if it's for one race. That would be awesome. Have our logo right on the hood of the car. <laughs> it would be awesome to do that. Have that one day. Maybe one, one day, one day, fingers crossed. Well, you know what? Uh, we might see because you know we got that that new uh, Mets baseball logo that uh, that we had made up that that we, that we like a lot. Uh, now we might get to see something like that because, um, you know, as as you know, Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, bought a Super Bowl commercial. So how do we know that maybe somewhere down the line we're not going to see a Mets car and NASCAR? Uh, you know. C- courtesy of steve cohen what do you think about that yep who, who knows i i do have i do have in my in my in my collection i have various uh, you know various paint schemes 
ran over the years. He had some that's you know very subs he ran multiple times, and some he's ran one race. I also I also do got this diecast car. I just happened to stumble upon this when I was just buying some snacks before a flight. At, it was somewhere at LaGuardia Airport, and I noticed it was this little the diecast car, you know, like a little sort of like it was like a NASCAR type body, but it was a painted mech colors. I, I bought that. Wow, very cool. My collection. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely a good piece to add to the collection. No doubt about that. A a any kind of Mets memorabilia. I also, I also, of course, it also interesting a little diecast. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember for a while. The, the Corvette brand, the Chevy with the Corvette brand, they were making these diecast Corvettes that were about 118 scale, and they had, and they were commemorating like each each team that that won the World Series each year of the Corvette's existence, right? So I got I got an '86 one that's like a that's a Mets colors, and they were doing them for a couple of years. I don't know why they stopped, but it would have been it would have been cool to eventually like let's say like next year to have maybe a more recent one a Mets a you know Mets one you know what I mean right? Absolutely, man. That, that that is really cool. I didn't realize that, that they were doing that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Not what year they stopped, but I but I was seeing them because I always get these emails from MLB and they always advertise them. I don't mm. know what. I would have loved to have owned a third Mets one because I got two of them. I got I got I got a '69 one and I got an '86 one, but it'd be nice to have that third one in a in a in a, in a diecast collection. No doubt about it. It'd be nice to be adding a 2023 to that one at the end of this year, right? Yeah, if they, if they were still doing that, if Chevy, if they were, well, if, if they, yeah, making those was still making those, that would have been nice. That'd be nice. At least they'll know I'll have a third daily news on the wall. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. And you know what? Maybe at the end of this year, uh, or at the end of a couple of months, we'll be having papers on the wall for our New York Rangers because. They're coming up to the trade deadline, which I believe is March 3rd. And they just made another real, not a big time splash like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when they got Vladimir Tarasenko, but they got a really big key role player in reacquiring Tyler Mott. They got him from the Ottawa Senators this year. And uh, I really love that they picked up Tyler Mott. Uh, unfortunately, the cap didn't work out where they could bring him back in, in the offseason, but Everything worked out that they were able to trade for him now, get him back in the mix, and put him on that fourth line. And and unfortunately, you know, they had to give up on Julian uh, Julian Gautier, and they traded him, uh, which which stinks because he's he's a kid with some nice skill. But now he'll go to Ottawa, get some more minutes, and the Rangers will have a little bit more snarl on that fourth line. So he, you know, as a Ranger fan who watched that whole playoff run that that Mott was a pretty big part of last year. You had to be real happy with, with us seeing him brought back into the team, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I mean, the nice little pickup move, a little small move, but might be a very key move come down come down the stretch run and during the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. See, that's the type. The thing that I love that Chris Drury really paid attention to last year with the acquisition of Justin Braun and adding him on that third defensive pair. The acquisition last year of, um, you know, Tyler Mott was really big too. Everybody pay attention to picking up a uh, cop, and um, you know some of the higher end scoring for like Frank Vetrano that they added to the the top the the you know the first couple of lines, but the bottom of that lineup for the Rangers 
really was kind of out of whack. You know, they they have Lesurchin, however you say his name, as the uh, center right now, and he really doesn't fit in. You have Goodrow on that fourth line, and he's great um, f- for his role. You have Tyler Mott on that line, and he's great in that role. They're probably going to have to make one more addition. I could definitely see them uh, picking up a, you know, a, a center that can win faceoffs or something like that. Or also, too, believe it or not, man, they are talking about the Rangers possibly still being able to trade for Patrick Kane. Have Have you been listening to any of this? Because a, a lot of Ranger fans wouldn't think that it made sense because they wouldn't have the cap room. But apparently, it's it's possible. Yeah, apparently, apparently it's possible. I didn't expect that this was going to happen, but if that happens, that is going to be huge. I mean, you've really brought a real game changer. His experience, I mean, two Stanley Cups. I mean, he was part of a little dynasty there with the Blackhawks. No doubt about it, man. And the, the thing, too, that I would really just love about that Patrick Kane trade, because obviously it's a lot like Tarasenko, where he's not having – a big season, you know, right now he just had a hat trick the other night, but he only has 14 goals in the season. This is a guy who scored 30 plus goals, plenty of times. Same thing with Tarasenko. He's only got 12 goals right now. This is a guy that scores 30 routinely. Um, So they've had kind of up and down seasons dealing with injuries here and there, nagging things. But, you know, I really think that if you add, um, Patrick Kane to to this team, the balance on this team is out of control. Now it, it would have to be some cap gymnastics thrown in there where the Rangers will, will, would definitely have to trade um, Vitaly Kravstov. Now, what do you think about that, Dan? It, it really, really sucks that Kravstov, the Rangers really haven't been able to get anything out of him. This is, this was a guy who was picked number nine overall in the in the draft in 2018 and he's he's just uh he really has done nothing i think he really hurt himself when he sat out a, a year or two ago and just stayed in russia all year I, I think that that really hurt his development and now he's here in the u.s and he's just not the dynamic player that you need from a top 10 overall pick right yeah, I really feel that this one maybe maybe it's probably a trade that probably needs to be made. Fortunately, he hasn't really lived up to it. All those decisions couldn't make up his mind whether he wanted to be here or not. Really screwed him up. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. And you you know when you look back at the Rangers during this rebuild, obviously we lucked out and got Lafreniere and got Kako, who, okay you can still make the case that they might not be producing at a rate that you would want from a number one and two overall pick, but Lafreniere and Kako are very good players who contribute to this Rangers team at a high level. Um, I definitely like both those players, no doubt about it. I have no complaints about them and I just want to continue to see them grow, but Vitaly Krostov, um and Elias Anderson, you know, Elias Anderson was the seventh overall pick in 2017. And um, what's it called? Uh, and like I said earlier, Vitaly Kravtsov was number nine overall in 2018. That means back to back years, the Rangers swung and missed at a top 10 pick. Uh, really stinks. But the, the thing that really saved the Rangers, though, was going out and trading for Adam Fox because that 
that kind of made up for some of that those bad moves um and then drafting guys like Filipino who's been great they picked him 21 uh the same year that they drafted Lias Anderson and not to mention also uh picking up Keandre Miller who was picked 27th or 28th after Vitaly Kravstov. So I I think what the Rangers did was even though they swung and missed at a couple of those early guys by hitting on a couple of the later round of the first round guys, you know, like, like Keandre and, uh, and Filipino, I think the Rangers really balanced it out and kind of saved their ass. Right. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I feel they've done, I feel they've done a, They've done a great job, and maybe some of it didn't work out, but at least part enough of it worked out, and hopefully it continue it continues into into the season. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. I also have to say the last couple of games have been crazy. I mean, it's one of those like, yeah, it's like how many times am I going to get a near heart attack with these wins? And then, and then come Monday, I'm watching the game, think, and I'm thinking, oh, we're behind, oh. I guess another one of these, but well, wah, wah, it just turned out a lackluster. Like, what did I just watch? Because this did not feel like the way they've been playing all year. Like, I was just like, get me another Stella. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a Stella night, man. Because especially after the Rangers uh, lost that game in Calgary on Saturday night where they looked, they looked tired. They're playing another back-to-back. They had three games in four nights. They, they looked like a tired team, but Lafreniere and Vladimir Tarasenko were able to score late goals, push it to overtime. And the Rangers ended up getting a point out of it, even though they would lose in a, a, you know, a game that uh, Halak was up and down in, but the Rangers were able to get a point. Now on Monday, I feel yeah. like on game, just that penalty cost us. Yeah, I just felt it was like a dumb, a dumb penalty to let themselves get into, and it was no. like not look good. Oh, oh my god! I'm telling you, this is going to be one of those nearly remote destroying moments right here. And yeah, that... yeah, you're right, you're right. And and, and you know maybe with Shesterkin in net, and he's been kind of up and down lately too. But maybe with Shesterkin in net, we would have felt a little bit more confident in that overtime on the power play. But, you know, with, and not to take anything away from Halak, too, because I've been tough on Halak, but Halak has really settled in and has played very well over the last couple of months. So I, I really cannot take any shots at Yaroslav Halak, who I was skeptical of coming into this year. And he's proven me wrong, at least so far. And he's been a valuable asset. Backing up, um, you know, I was going to say Ilya Sorokin. I got the Islanders on my mind. Uh, he, he's been a uh, a valuable asset backing up Igor Shishjerkin. So definitely nothing but good things to say about Halak. He had a tough night, just like the team did, and they all looked tired. But then when we came back to the Garden on Monday, man, I was feeling with the with the Tyler Mott pickup, and that, that happened on Sunday, the, the day in between. Um, he showed up for practice. Everybody was pumped. There were smiles everywhere. And unfortunately, they came out. And you can't say they laid an egg because a, a lot of the times you could say, ah, they kind of slept a walk through the game. 
didn't really look like they were too locked in. The Rangers had 51 shots on goal. 51. But Connor Hellebuck just absolutely stole that game, man. That was one of the best non-Ranger goalie performances that I've seen in a long time. It, it reminded me of last year when... um of uh, what's his name? Uh, the old backup for the Rangers, um, Georgiev. Oh. When yeah, Georgiev had a fifty save shut. Uh, uh, I don't think it was a shutout. I think he allowed one goal, but he had an amazing performance against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it, and it really reminded me of that because the Rangers were taking point blank shots in the power play. I, I forget who fed him, but Chris Kreider had a point blank shot right in front of the net. This is a shot that that this that Chris Kreider could make in his sleep, and Halbuck just made the save like it was nothing. Just an incredible performance, right, Dan? Yeah, the guy. I have to give get tip my hat to that, but at the same time, that just always feels the worst. Yep, I mean, it's just one of those games that you didn't want to fall behind that that too far because it's one of those days where the goalies just felt like they were making saves over upside down on their head yeah yeah you're right and w- when it was two nothing i still had that and that, that's how good the rangers have been lately that it was two nothing and i still had full confidence that the rangers were going to win that game i did not think for one second they were going to lose that game which brings us back actually real quick to the game on friday night in edmonton when the Rangers went down 4-1 in the first period. And after that first period, it's reported that Gerard Gallant walked into the, the locker room, you know, still maintaining his stoic uh, personality. He wasn't flying off the handle. And he just looked at his team and said, we will not lose this game. And what did the Rangers do? They went out. They tied the game over the next two periods and won it in overtime. One of the more thrilling wins that we've seen for for this season, at least. Right, Dan? That was an awesome game in Edmonton on Friday. Yeah, that, that game, I probably woke up the entire block, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up the entire block going nuts watching that game. Like, I felt like the entire house could hear whatever noise I was making from my bedroom watching that, because... <laughs> There's times that made in the living room, but that was one of those games where, yeah, just just watch the game in my bedroom. It's not not a big big TV as the one in my one one in the living room, but it does the job. And that's what I, I watched it, and uh, I swear my mom could hear hear the noise from there. Like she knew, like, uh, yep, the rain, yep, the Rangers won. Like she she said she just said she knew by the sound by by what was coming out of my room that, <laughs> that morning she she said to me yeah daniel i could tell by the bye bye i why what i was hearing at the rangers won <laughs> yeah man it was such a great win and the guy that sealed the win was who we were just talking about a minute ago alexi lafreniere with a really really sweet shot right between the legs of the goalie uh, really awesome job. Lafreniere has been hot lately. Kako has been hot lately. Philip Hedl has been having a, a great year all year. Um, so really awesome to see that kid line really just developing together um, almost at the same rate, kind of. It's it's really been a great thing to see. Um, the crazy part about that since it was a Friday, 
I think I stayed up a little longer. I may have watched, I may have watched a couple of episodes of the, the the original and uh, Night Court after. <laughs> Where did you watch that on? Is it on TV? I have I have the series on DVD. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it, it's the classic. Definitely a classic. I haven't seen that show in years. I I saw they remade it recently too. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did a revival. They did a revival, but I just feel like that revival just feels like it doesn't just feel like it has its theme. Especially the fact you only have one one character from the original returned. Uh, the John Larroquette's character, Dan Felding, is the only guy who returned, and it feels like a watered down version of the character too. The best way to describe it. Yeah, a a lot of these revivals kind of have that too. Even you know, me and you've mentioned uh, you know, uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand recently, and uh, uh, just I saw a couple of the the newer ones that they put up on Netflix, and it just doesn't have the same feel the old ones do. Even uh, you know, even the robots, Tom Servo and uh, Crow, just sound different to me. They don't. It it doesn't seem like the same characters. Yeah, that there was one episode they had to admit you probably laughed, probably got a good laugh at Avalanche. Yes, yes, that was a good one. Very true. That is my favorite episode of the revival. The two, the two seasons actually they did a they did a third season of the revival recently, but I'm, I'm you have to like pay to watch it and stuff. I haven't got to see it, but what I've seen, the Avalanche, I've rewatched that episode a couple of times. I thought it was hilarious because I I remember seeing this movie once on TV, stumbling upon it on TV, and let's face it, but. I've never seen such a slow build-up to maybe only maybe <laughs> for the movie you see an avalanche happens like an hour into the movie, and at I meant almost an hour, almost so late into the movie, the disaster happens. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and it's it's not like Jaws too. It, it doesn't have a Jaws build-up where okay, you don't see the shark until an hour into the movie, where it at least makes sense because it's building that tension. It's it's not the same thing in Avalanche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all that for, for Avalanche. So I thought MSD3K had fun with had a lot of fun with this one. I'm shocked they waited. They didn't do they didn't do this one years ago, but they they finally did it, and it was a hilarious job. Also, speaking speaking of movies and stuff, the long build up. I just I wonder if Angley just got somehow got some weird statistic idea to have. Yeah. Let's maybe. I, I'm just gonna make a Hulk movie, but I'm gonna wait until maybe almost an hour and ten minutes before the freak accident happens. Remember that that angle? <laughs> I was yes. so before the freak accident happens. <laughs> you're right. You're right, man. Oh my god. But uh, yeah, you know. So just to to wrap up on the Rangers here before we move on. Um, you know, hey, right now as the Rangers sit. They are currently uh, three or four points behind the Devils for second place. Um, There's still a few points behind um, Carolina for first place, but Carolina is within is within reach right now. I believe the Rangers are about three or four games behind them, with probably six or eight points right around there. Um, it's a possibility that the Rangers can catch it, but right now all likelihood is pointing to a first-round playoff matchup between the Rangers and the Devils 
would be the first time that we've met in the playoffs since the 2020 uh since the 2012 Eastern Conference final that we unfortunately lost in six games um what do you think about that Dan that would be I mean it, it would be it would be tough series no doubt about it but that would be pretty cool to see a, a Rangers Devils playoff series again right yeah that'll be a pretty cool series I wonder if they'll do I don't know if they'll do anything crazy I told you the story when I attended when somehow by luck I ended up with tickets to game three what happened the, they decided to the, – the, the, I forgot Delta I, at the time. Was, I think – of course, they, I think they still do sponsor the Rangers. But instead of sponsoring the Rangers, they decided to do some weird thing for fans attending Game 3. They decided to g- g- give fans a little ride to Newark, the Prudential Center, in a very unique way, hop on a plane in LaGuardia that oh, was yeah. air, airport, which – might be on record to be the shortest flight I've ever been on. <laughs> I, I I probably feel like I feel feel like probably if I would have took it a Jersey Transit basis of I could have gotten there quicker. But I decided to take part in this. This was free. You had to apply online or something like that. Since I had tickets, I applied online to do to to do this little little trip, and I was on this thing with a bunch of other Ranger fans. And I think from Newark Airport they bust you to the Prudential Center, and then I think on the way back they bust you. It was, it, it was the return trip was on a bus somewhere near Laguardia Airport, and I remember just getting having a friend of mine pick me up for the rest for the return trip to my house from there. But yeah, that was like a weird way to get there. That's a really really cool idea. Now I, I wonder if they're going to be thinking about doing that again uh, for this playoff series. Should should it happen? Yeah, that that happy happy interesting doing that, but. That that had had to be, I don't know. That was like we, I was like, it was like weird thing a short, a short flight like that. That something that I don't think anyone else would ever be doing. But they, definitely uh, not. <laughs> it was a it was a flight from one airport to the to the, to the other. <laughs> Very cool. That is awesome. And uh, you know, before we move on from the Rangers here, because. We're, we're just about ready to take our first break I, I or or only break <laughs> I I just want to uh to ask you Dan before we move on now do you think uh, to, to bring it right back to the trades and everything because we're about a week away from the trade deadline do you think the Rangers will make that big move and bring in Patrick Kane to really just put push all their chips to the middle? Or do you think they go more along the lines of shoring up that fourth line and maybe picking up a you know a a cheaper, more gritty option? I feel like it's a seventy five percent chance this Patrick Kane thing happens. Wow, seventy five. I like them odds, man. <laughs> yeah, that feeling feels like this something that could literally happen. You, you know, I I I want to. I, you know, I'm not even going to want to. I will. I, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that the I think right now Chris Drury is just ready to win a cup. And I think that he's going to get the nod from Dolan to do it. I think everybody in the front office is going to be in agreement. And, you know, we've mentioned that grit, too. And, hey, you get a guy with a couple of Stanley Cup championship rings like Patrick Kane. You get a guy with uh, with one Stanley Cup championship ring like Vladimir Tarasenko. High end players, you add them to your roster. That's a that's a really really tough playoff monster to beat, right? 
yeah, it is. It's and I can tell you, I cannot wait to see how it turns out. And and me go, trust me, plenty of me going nuts. Plenty of me people looking at me weird, commenting on what I look like with a with a playoff beard because <laughs> I look we I look weird when I have a beard. I've heard all kinds of I've heard all kinds of comments. I think one person said I looked like a lumberjack. I think one of my <laughs> Like Duck Dynasty. <laughs> but all right, on that note, we're going to have to take our first break, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and welcome back to the program, everybody. Uh, you know, now we're going to get into the opening of spring training, man. I know this has got to be one of your favorite times of the year because it's definitely one of my favorite times of the year. We saw everybody reporting to camp over the last week. Uh, we've seen bullpen sessions. From, you know, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and all these guys getting started up now. Uh, it's th- this is just the best time of the year, right? Definitely the best time of year. I could be down there in Florida. I mean, I'm going to I'm probably going to be wearing my uh, I'm probably going to be wearing my uh, my uh, the the little tropical med shirt that you've seen me wearing sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm. Bringing that out on a well, I'm going to be indoors, of course, but I'm going to be bringing that out while I'm watching the game because I just want to capture those South Florida vibes during during spring training. Gonna 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 be an interesting little trip for uh, for a lot of people visiting spring training because especially the fact that you got you got most of the most of the rounds of the World Baseball Classic happening there at the same time in South Florida. So I'm sure there's going to get you're going to get some of those spring training crowd that are going to also probably be making their way down to Miami to attend some of the World Baseball Classic as well. True, the finals of the World Baseball Classic are March 21st. So let's hope the U.S. is still playing, even though it would definitely benefit the Mets to have guys like I, I believe Pete Alonso is on Team USA. I know Jeff McNeil is, so yep, it would that- definitely benefit the Mets to get those guys back. From, but yeah, all but I could. Pretty much, can, can be safe to say that they made a good decision to have. I think I think like the the, the sec the second to the final round to the finals is going to be there in Miami, and that's a perfect spot. And plus the first round action happening in Arizona, also where there's some spring tra- training going on there. So they pick good spot to do it because they're going to get plenty of people that happen to be there already. Oh yeah, man! I actually was looking at tickets for the WBC finals earlier today. And they were all over $130. So you know if that's the case right now on the secondary market, that people are excited about it. People are happy it's back. This is the first World Baseball Classic that they've done since 2017. Obviously, the last, it was supposed to happen in, uh, I believe, 2021 was the last time. Yeah, correct. Of course, they postponed it because of news, especially with some players that play in some foreign leagues and stuff that, you know, some some countries they did. It was a little bit difficult. International travel was has been difficult the last couple of years. It's it's kind of gotten slowly back to normal with most countries, from what I gather. What yeah, I've because e- even the the early part of this tournament, all, you know, a lot of these Asian teams and a couple of the European teams even are starting off the uh, the tournament in Japan. So you know, a lot of the the early pool stuff is going to be taking place over there. Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe there might even be a bracket in Korea, but I'm not positive about that. Yeah, yeah, I believe I believe you're cor- I believe you're correct. If I'm if I'm correct, I believe you're correct. If, 
if I'm correct. I got I got I got to look that up. I just I just know I just know I just know that it's going to be happening at the same time as spring training. So it's going to be with spring training in a World Baseball Classic. It's going to be a lot of baseball viewing. And a little interesting side note: if you're watching it via the MLB app, MLB.tv app, if you're already put the descriptions, and I mean, aside from not counting like people like me who are waiting for the activation day, you know how T-Mobile is; they give you that for free. They, they, you're, but, but yeah, they're gonna let they're gonna allow they're gonna allow you to. There's no blackouts on the World Baseball Classic games, just to let you know. Oh, that's on, awesome. That that that's what I hear. If it's gonna be like the last couple of years, that happened the last couple of years because I I had to rely on the MLB at bat app when uh when I I forgot what it was. My mom was in my mom was in the hospital and I couldn't. And one of the games I was watching, I couldn't access the game. I bet the, her hospital cable didn't have MLB network, so we, we used the, the MLB the the app there, and that's actually how she was watching the tournament while she was in the. Well, she was in the well. She was in the hospital because they didn't because her because her because the cable there they had they had they had S and Y they had MSG but they didn't have they didn't have they didn't have uh, MLB Network so my mom could couldn't couldn't watch the World Baseball Classic that way so she used she used a tablet but she happened to I think she managed to find out for some reason ESPN Deportes was airing the World Baseball Classic the final so she was so so she wasn't she didn't have to hold the tablet in her hands the whole time to watch. He was. She just watched the. Uh, she watched ESPN Deportes feed, feed, and because my mother happened, to, she happens to know. She knows how to speak Spanish. She was able to understand what the announcers were saying. That's that's awesome, man. That uh, that you know, and it is cool too that Major League Baseball finally figured out, at least partially, this blackout thing for the World Baseball Classic. It's nice that they that they waived it and everything. Um. Because you know, for, especially for Major League Baseball, what you you want as many people to watch it as possible. You don't want to restrict people watching it. So it's a, it's a good move they did that. They really should just you know start moving towards the the NFL model. And I know that's kind of tough because the NFL, you know, their programming is worth more money, so they're raking in a lot more money, and it makes things much more flexible. But baseball has to work out this blackout crap that they have on this stuff because especially if you have the MLB package and you are a Mets fan and let's just say for whatever reason maybe you don't have cable maybe uh you're not home whatever the deal is you should be able to go on your phone and watch the Mets or the Yankees if you live in New York and they still haven't figured that out yet it's ridiculous it's 2023 I could go on my phone and watch any NFL game that I want, but if I'm a, if I'm paying for the package and I live in New York, I can't watch the Mets of the Yankees. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Of course, of course, they got to also sort that out with a couple of other leagues. Also, got to do that. Also on board. But yeah, yeah that'd but, be a, but, but baseball that'd, is the worst. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a nice that'd be a nice little thing, especially with some areas, especially in some some areas that don't make sense with the blackouts because. I know some people in some states that have like some teams that are not even in the viewing markets of that, that there's like some blackouts that they don't yeah, quite got, right. got like the thing. Cause, cause they, let's say they said, they says those, it's not like they, they, they could watch the, you know, like for example, 
like in North Carolina, you assume all the Braves are saying is black. You know, was black that when the Mets are playing against the Braves, so they got so you're unfortunately going to have to watch the Braves feed. You watch it, but no, there's a it, it's a couple of other teams that do that. It's like I was like the Reds. That's nowhere near the Carolinas. That's nowhere near their viewing territory. How is that? How is that blacked out? Like that one doesn't make sense. And I know, and I know some that some that kind of figure out, kind of kind of do make sense. Like locally, some states have. It, it's not really as big because I know, I know a fan in the South somewhere somewhere that that it's like every time the Mets play against the Braves, unfortunately they have to do that. But but usually that's the only time that's the only time that had that happens. But some states the blackouts don't make sense. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's and it's not consistent at all. It just doesn't make any sense, you know. Especially like in in a big state like California, you know, if you are a Dodgers fan living in, you know, Southern Los Angeles, and you wanted to watch, let's just say it's a big pennant game. There's a Giants Rockies game going on that night. You wouldn't be able to watch the like you're paying for the major league package, but you wouldn't be able to watch the uh, the Giants game that night just because they play in the same state, even though it's eight hours north. That's ridiculous. It's major league baseball really has to figure that out. And I, I think Rob Manfred is continuing to cement himself as one of the worst, if not the worst, commissioner in sports. Yep, I feel, I feel, I feel definitely that. I, I, I feel definitely that way, and it's just like, how, how more we're worse can it get? And who, who the, who the heck knows? But yeah, he needs to, he needs to sort, he needs to definitely sort that out. I I I mean, even of course, I I know there are some states that that does somehow work, that somehow it does kind of I don't I don't know I don't know how the blackout restrictions work in some parts of Florida, but I do know like a friend of mine that lives in the Tampa area that the blackouts sort of do work out how they how you would expect to work out. Like he says, he says like every time the Mets play against 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 Miami, he's able to get though he's able to get he the games aren't blacked out, but he says. Whenever they're playing Tampa, they're blacked out. The, mm. But some blackouts don't really make sense. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They're very inconsistent. It's it, it's a shame that we're still uh, it's twenty twenty three. Like I said, and we're still dealing with this crap that we've been talking about for the last ten fifteen years. These blackouts, it's complete garbage. But um, you know, Dan. So we're looking at uh, really. Games starting on Saturday, so we're only a couple of days away from the the first spring training games officially taking place. You know, what are your thoughts? I was I was looking at the the roster the other day, and man, I gotta tell you, I I just don't understand. Everybody was falling all over the Mets offseason, and the Mets had a good offseason. I was very happy with obviously getting Justin Verlander, and I was thrilled that they brought back. Um, you know, Nimmo and Diaz. I'm so happy they got those guys back. I, 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 the Mets have done a lot. I'm not saying they haven't, but when you, I really think the hole of not getting Carlos Correa is going to come back and bite the Mets. And I hope I'm wrong. Please, God, let me be wrong. I don't want to be right about this at all. I don't want to be saying in a couple of months, well, gee, I told you so, but. I'm, I don't know, man. I'm worried. I'm worried. The Mets are actually right now 
considering Darren Ruff as a platoon DH guy. This is a guy that's going to be playing two, three on a right week, maybe even four times a week. Dar- and I, I don't, I have no confidence in Darren Ruff at all. They they just had a, a interview with him the other day that he was talking to Anthony DeComo from MLB.com, the, the Mets writer, and he said that he uh, could have performed a little bit better last year. Now, he went 10 for 66 as a Met last year. 10 for 66. That's a 152 batting average. And this guy's going to say that he could have performed a little better? Yeah, the, this one doesn't really that that move just really didn't make sense for the get go during the trading deadline. It, I just hope the Mets do something during the during during the trading deadline. It looks like also, I feel they might be in a position where they need to give uh, Brett Beatty Alvarez a chance. Even Vienos at DH, we 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 don't we don't know what we have, and I feel these guys they get. A couple playing enough playing time, especially now during spring training, we didn't really get to see much of them because it was like they didn't have time to like I guess ease into that. But I feel spring training, we might really get to see really the what these players are are. Oh yeah, and they're going to be given the opportunity. You're you're definitely right about that. Unfortunately especially with Darren Ruff being on this team. I really think that Francisco Alvarez is going to start the year in AAA. I think the only way he doesn't is if he has a spring training like Pete Alonso had in 2019, where he made it that the Mets couldn't send him back down to the, the, the minor leagues. It would have looked ridiculous. I think that's the only way that uh, that Francisco Alvarez ends up on the major league team to start the year. I I do feel that at some point this year, they're going to be forced to bring him up. But I I really feel like right now that's that's not going to be the case to start the season. I think that Billy Epler, and look, I, 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 I like Billy Epler, but I think that Billy Epler is keeping, and Vogelback too. I like Vogelback, but come on. The, the guy is such a limited player. He can't run when he gets on base. It's... Ugh. I, I like him a lot, but is he a championship piece? I don't know. Darren Ruff isn't. I can tell you that. Uh, even though he he might have been on a championship team at some point, I, I don't believe so. But I, I, either way, at this point in his career, Darren Ruff is not a championship piece for the Mets. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Darren Ruff goes out and hits 450 against lefties this year. But let me ask you this, Dan. Do you think that a rebound is is in the works for Ruff this year? Because I don't see it coming. I don't really have high expectations on this guy. Like, I just I just can't see that. I just feel the one little thing that's kind of, I feel like the one little flaw is DH, and I'm hoping, and it does look like we might have a team that can overcome that little flaw, but I'm just hoping we, I'm just hoping we hold up, we hold up until we make that big move. Whether yeah. it's uh, whether it's bringing up one of these uh, prospects we have, or uh, bringing in that big move at the trading deadline, and this time don't half-ass it. I feel that's what they need to do to win. To win this year is not half-ass at the trading deadline. Yeah, you can't be going and getting these cheap 
you know, o- options that, that they went out and got last year, like Vogelback and uh, Ruff. You have to go out there and get big guys. Like, the Mets have to be in the, the Otani market. I don't care what they have to give up. Do it. Get him here. You can win a championship if you if you do it. I know the Angels aren't going to trade him now, but I'm talking about by the trade deadline. But especially, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I can point to a lot of things on this roster that make me uncomfortable. And that's why I don't even know right now if I would pick the Mets to win the division because I don't think the Mets are the best team in the division. Right now, the Mets, you could even make the case, and I still think the Mets are better than the Phillies, but you could make the case that coming into the season, the Mets are the third team in the National League East because the Braves are the defending champions, the Phillies are the defending National League champions, and the Mets are pretty much the same team with just a couple of tweaks. You know, and I look, I I, I can point to the outfield and tell you, Starlin Marte just had double groin surgery. I mean... They, they just revealed that a couple of weeks ago. Nobody knew about it. Now, is he going to be on, on a right timetable to come back? Is he going to be the same player we saw last year? I don't know. You got to keep your fingers crossed and hope. He's 34 years old, so you don't know. So I'm, I'm hoping that Starlin Marte is good. Now, obviously, you feel pretty comfortable with guys like Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor and McNeil and Alonso. But... The catching position, what are you going to get out of Omar, Nav- you know, Omar Navarro? I don't know. Is he going to be average? Maybe. Is he going to be below average? Also, maybe. You know, Tomas Nito, okay, he's a decent backup catcher. Are you, Are we going to get a rebound season out of Eduardo Escobar? Because believe I, I couldn't believe it when I heard this, too. Billy Epler actually said that Eduardo Escobar had a great season last year. Is he out of his mind? Eduardo Escobar had a terrible season until September. September, he killed it. He had a great September, made his numbers look kind of, you know, passable. But from April until August, Eduardo Escobar stunk. So, and I like Eduardo a lot. He's a good guy. He's a good guy in the clubhouse. But let's be honest here. He stunk for most of the season last year. Are we going to get rebounds out of these guys? What's going on in left field for the Mets? I, I don't know, man. I'm worried, and I feel like people are clouded by the amount of money the Mets spent in this offseason. You know, we don't even know what we're going to get out of Kodai Senga. We're sitting here acting like he's going to, you know, potentially be an ace, which he could be. But you got to ask the question, is he going to be? What about Jose Quintana? Jose Quintana pitched out of his mind last year, had an ERA under three. Is he going to do it again? I don't know, man. I'm... I have a I I'm very hopeful for this team, but there are a lot of things that you know, one thing that Brody Van Wagnon said, and I hate bringing Brody up, but one thing Brody Van Wagnon said that I really liked, even though he didn't do it, was we want to take as many question marks out of our team as possible when we're constructing, you know, when we're constructing it. But when you look at this Mets team, there are question marks everywhere. Right? Yeah, there is. I'm. I'm just. I'm just hopeful it's going to turn out. I mean, I. I can say it's going to be. It's going to be crazy season. I just have a feeling it's going to be. It's going to be neck and neck with the with with the Braves and Phillies again. Yeah, it it, it definitely is going to be neck and neck. You know, especially the Phillies adding 
uh, you know, a all-star like um, Trey Turner and upgrading their pitching staff, bringing in a guy like Taiwan Walker, hurting us a little bit. Um, so, you know, the Phillies are going to be a little bit better. The Braves are still going to be, uh, you know, a, a very good team, although thank God they, they've lost Dansby Swanson. That definitely hurts them a lot too, so we got to keep that in mind. But I, I, I don't know, man. There are a lot of things that worry me. Same time, I feel like it's going to be another situation like last year where we're winning, we're on a hundred win pace, but our big division rival is also at the, is winning at the same pace. Yeah, you're and definitely right. I feel the game changer is going to be at the trading deadline. That will be it. You know what? What Billy Epler really has to do. Is and maybe we should set up a Zoom meeting between Billy Epler and Chris Drury because it seems like the two of them really need to get together. Because Chris Drury, I really didn't like the offseason he had. And if we remember, one of his big offseason trades was trading Pavel Buchanevich for uh for Sammy Blay, and that didn't work out. But it's it's interesting to me that it seems like Chris Drury is really good at making trades in season and kind of so-so in the off season. And Billy Epler is really good at getting your team together and making trades and signing guys in the off season. But in, in the regular season at the trade deadline, not so much. That, Maybe that, those guys got to get together. <laughs> and I got to And I, I got to agree too, but he needs to, they need to make a big move at the trading deadline. It's one thing if you're like if you're like, and you're and and it's like I could easily see the air during that trading deadline. Like we could be like last year, we'll be in first place, but that move at the trading deadline is gonna be gonna define our season right there. A thousand percent, man. I could not agree more because we looked and and I, I will give them credit because even though this was pre Billy Epler. In 2021, the Mets tried. They went out and they got uh, Javi Baez from the Cubs. Um, you know, they traded Pete Crow Armstrong, one of their top prospects. It didn't work out, but I'll give them credit. They at least tried. Uh, 2022, I think they felt kind of comfortable, which is understandable, but they blew it by not fortifying their team in ways that the Braves did and ways that the Phillies did. So the Mets yeah, really yeah. have to work that out. Yeah, and exactly, and it's like I don't know why they're holding on because they get, uh, they they have plenty to to they I meant, I meant but there's a couple of prospects that could be expendable. I mean, there's a they're kind of backed up at so many at one position. A few a few few prospects are backed up at one position, so I feel they're the best chance. They could easily make some of these moves without really giving up much. Yeah, they, I, I mean, and. And, and you're right. One of the guys is Ronnie Mauricio. You're talking about shortstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a few shortstop. They're backed up. They're a shortstop. They got plenty. There seem to be a million catching prospects. So go ahead. Big uh, move. <laughs> exactly. Make my day. Let's go. Let's make a move. Let's get this thing done. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunately, that's not going to be coming soon. We're going to be patient and wait for the trade deadline. Um, and I, I just really hope that everything is under control by then. I just hope that that Billy Epler knows what he's doing and can can make these deals because right now we saw the division slip away in 2021 
and we saw the division slip away in 2022. Now, thank God they at least made the playoffs last year, but you cannot blow the division three years in a row. And who knows? Maybe the Mets won't even have a big lead at this point. Maybe, maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe we'll have to come from behind like the other teams did. But uh, the Mets have to. You Right now, with everything that's that's gone on, they have to win the division this year, right? Yeah, they have to. These moves, it would be a disappointment if they didn't win the division. They they cannot find themselves in that three game wild card series anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. I got nervous that during that wild card series. I mean, like, I was just like shocked, like all this all year, and it's like I was like shocked you lost in the first round. Like, no one could talk to me for that entire Monday. Let's put it this way. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Just a you know about as bad of a playoff loss as it gets. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that our postseason just ended that quickly that weekend, like that quick, like I was like, I was expecting a bit more. Like mm-hmm. I was, ex- I was expecting a situation where it was like, I remember I had a, I, had t- I was attending a concert today that like game one of the World Series was gonna be. I was expecting a situation where after the concert, I was going to walk into a bar in one of the World Series. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. And you know that if we had gotten past the the Padres and, you know, who knows what would have happened with the Dodgers or whatever would have been the next round. But if it came to a situation where we were playing the Phillies and the NLCS like the Padres were last year, we beat them 14 out of 19 times last year. You know the Mets would have beat them in the NLCS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just felt, I just felt every one of those teams we, that they were in the NLCS. I just felt we had that chance, but unfortunately, we'll never ne- get get to know what happened. The Grom's just known as a player that really never won anything with the Mets. But so I like, do, we do have to give Degrom credit because in 2022, the Mets won one playoff game, and it was from Jacob Degrom. Yeah, that's true. Just really just kind of hitting me weird seeing him in form like that. Like, yeah, just like it's, it's it's here. It's it's weird just seeing him in a Texas Rangers uniform, right? Just standing there watching the guys. It's awful. He is, but unfortunately, he didn't want to go on. But and hopefully. I hope it's a situation where the Mets win the World Series and we do similar to what the Washington Nationals did in 2019 when Bryce Harper left the Nationals. We won the World Series and said, well, maybe it should have stuck around with us because look at what's happening right now. The Canyon of Heroes. Please Please win the World Series this year. I badly want to win it, please. Want want my mom to be around for it. I want want my do- want Mister Malunigan to be around. Mister Malunigan is a dog. That, that, that's a really good point, man. That's a really good point. Yeah, what well, I want to be able to walk around carrying Mister Malunigan victorious, and my block after the Mets win after the Mets win a World Series, and if if I have access to a car, I might. Have to resist the urge to want to do donuts in my neighborhood. 
Well, you know what, though? I, I think the one thing that we can be happy about and the one thing that we can um, just be confident in is that we probably have the best owner definitely in, in the city, no doubt about it, and probably the best owner. I mean, you, you could make a case the best owner in sports right now. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that just wants to win, right? I feel this is a guy that gets what owning a sports team is all about and what handling that responsibility of owning a sports team is all about. And I've said it before, and I'm sticking to it. By 2024, we're going to win a World Series. I said this the moment Steve Cohen bought the team. By 2024, we're winning a World Series. I, I got to tell you, man, uh, I feel very confident with that, too. And... You know, we just got to hope that that Billy Epler and the Mets front office is able to dictate um, everything going on and and make the right trades, because we know that Steve Cohen's going to give them the resources to do it. So uh, definitely a lot to be happy about there with the Mets. Uh, obviously, look, what I wanted to do here was not crap on the Mets for the last few minutes. What I wanted to do was bring a little perspective to the situation because I feel like everybody is just focusing on how much money the Mets spent and not realizing that a lot of that money to at least $260 million of that was spent on two players that the Mets are just bringing back Edwin Diaz and Brandon Nimmo. So let's not forget that. And the Mets still have a really great team. And I think one way or another, it's going to be a really fun season, right, Dan? Yeah, I just, I just, I just feel like it is, and I just have a feeling it's gonna, it's gonna be a fun season. All, all, all. I, I, I have, I have to say, I have to say, probably we got one of the rare pitchers that somehow knew how to age as a player. I feel like in a in Berlin, know how to age as a as a player. Yeah, you well, you, you know, and also. D Dusty Baker would say that he had uh, that he had a new arm <laughs> with his uh, his Tommy John surgery. And it just reminds me of like Henry Rowan Gardner from rookie of the year with his his new arm just going out there and, you know, throwing the ball harder than he ever has type thing, you know. <laughs> yep. So let's see. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. And I feel this is the team's the team to be excited about. Absolutely, man. And, you know, uh, on that note, I think we're just about done for the day here. So, Dan, before we get out of here, you want to give yourself any plugs? Sure, definitely. The Bobo103NYC on Twitter and Bobo718DK on Instagram. Daniel Curlin on YouTube for all your Bobo content. And uh, that's what I got to say. All right. Perfect, buddy. And if you want to follow me, check me out. Uh, at my last name, Kramer NY on Twitter. You can check out the show at bsith underscore podcast and check us out on Instagram at best seat in the house podcast. And also before we get out of here, I have one last message uh, to any jet fan that doesn't want Aaron Rodgers. You don't know what you're talking about. So that just, that uh, meant our um, mentioning Aaron Rodgers name quota for the week. So just so <laughs> anybody out there know. So before we get out of here, uh, one last thing, go to, if, if you like the show, 
you know, we see that a lot of the people that watch our show too aren't subscribed. So do us a favor and do yourself a favor. Subscribe to our show, like our videos. We really appreciate all the su support and everything we've been getting. That Bob Levy episode we did a couple of weeks ago is one of our highest viewed videos that we've ever done. So once again, shout out to the great Reverend Bob Levy. If you get a chance to check out, he's got a couple of new shows. Check out One on One with Robert Levy on YouTube. If if you want to see something that will just – they they bring on a guest and then pretty much make that guest hang up on them in 10 minutes. It's hilarious. So if you want a chance to, to laugh your ass off, check out One on One with Robert Levy. And uh, I, I had to just get that plug in because it, it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> so do yourself a favor and check that out. Uh, and what, what were you going to say, Dan? I agree. I freaking happy watching that. Definitely, man. It's it's such funny stuff. So do yourself a favor and check that out. Uh, also, check out, as always, our, our great friend, um, Eastside Dave. Check him out on Eastside Dave TV uh, uh, and check out the, the Chip Chipperson podcast also, too, which Dan appeared on recently so all of our friends support all of them support us too we appreciate it and uh yeah for robert kramer and daniel bobo curlin this is the best seat in the house podcast